Thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. We wanted to take a quick moment to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We have had an amazing 2018 and we're so excited for what God is going to do in 2019. Be sure to follow us on social media at Faith Chapel SD for all the latest Faith Chapel news. You are not going to want to miss out on some of the exciting things coming up. Well, it's going to be a good day. Look at somebody say it's going to be a good day. Tell them it's going to warm up a little bit. Don't freak out. It's going to warm up a little bit. It's all good. We came back from the mountain playing in the snow and all this stuff. We come to San Diego and it's just as cold. I'm like, what's the deal? We hadn't been in our house for three days. We step in the house as an icebox. I don't know about you. Maybe you keep your butter in the refrigerator, but we keep our butter on the counter because, I don't know, that's how we roll. And the butter was so hard, you couldn't even, like, I'm like, this is an icebox. Fell asleep with sweats on and a sweatshirt all tucked in, the hood, the everything. It was colder here than it was up there. But no place, no place like home, right? No place like San Diego. Well, I'm excited to get into the Word of God with you guys today. I feel like God has some stuff that he wants to, to do to prepare us for this upcoming year. Obviously, tomorrow we celebrate New Year's Eve, and New Year's Eve is going to be a great opportunity to, you know, think about this past year, all that God's done, all that's happened in your life. Maybe you've gone through some transitions this past 364 days that we've had, and all that's been going on, and maybe it's just been Maybe it's been a taxing year, a difficult year. Maybe it's been your best year yet. Uh, I don't know. Who knows what's, I'm sure that if we were to pass the mic around this room, we would hear all kinds of different stories, both good reports, bad reports, sad stories, joyful stories, breakthrough moments, all kinds of stuff. But nevertheless, I believe God has something for each of us for 2019 that could assure us that it's always going to be better than the year previous. And I want to set you guys up with some things that I really feel some declarations and some stuff that we're gonna really put our faith and our heart into to believe that this upcoming year will be our best yet. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to communicate your word. Holy Spirit, won't you come, you be the teacher, you be the instructor today. I pray that you would open every eye and every ear and every heart to receive clearly from you, Lord God, that you would be exalted in all that happens in this room. May every eye be on you, Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen? Amen. The end of something... All, always leads to the beginning of something else, right? So, so we're nearing the end of 2018. We're stepping into 2019. To bring it into biblical terms, you remember it was the end of uh, Moses. When Moses finished, it launched the beginning of Joshua and Israel coming into the promised land. There was a 400-year silence at the end of the Old Testament before it led into the, the beginning of the New Testament where there was an announcement of a Messiah that was coming. So there was a, an end of an old covenant leading into the beginning of a new covenant. And that new thing was Jesus showing up on the scene. And then at the end of Jesus's ministry, there was the birth of the early church and the Holy Spirit came and empowered believers to walk in the same might and power that Jesus was walking in on the earth. So the end of something is, you know, it has its moment and it has its day and it's worth celebrating the thing of the past, but I love looking forward to what's beginning. I love looking forward to what's coming. Most mama bears in the house can say, thank God pregnancy ended and the baby finally came. Thank God we don't just celebrate, you know, staying in pregnancy forever and ever and ever. Anybody who's been pregnant will kind of tell you. I know I got a couple friends here that are pregnant right now, and they're like, anytime now, Jesus. Let's get to the end of this and get to the next thing. The end of the appetizer leads to the beginning of the salad. The end of the salad leads to the beginning of the main course meal. And after the main course leads to the beginning of dessert. 
Thank you, Jesus. I had more than my fair share of dessert. Some of you do it a little differently. Some of you have a little piece of dessert, then you have some entree, then you have some more dessert, then you have a couple bites of salad, and then you kind of top it off with some dessert, and that's how you roll. But hey, no, I'm not, not judging, just saying it's the holidays. You can kind of get away with anything around here, and then you just throw in a New Year's resolution like you won't do that again, and we'll see how that works out. Okay, but I have a spiritual thought for you here. Check this out. <laughs> if we don't remain a spirit-led people, aiming to grow and advance ourselves as well as the kingdom of God, what begins will be less than what was ending. Let me say it again like this. If we don't let the Holy Spirit continue to lead our lives, then what's starting will actually be less than what was ending. So here's what I mean. I believe there's a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God that we go from glory to glory. It's a fundamental principle of the kingdom of God that we go from glory to glory. The first note that I put on the screen here actually says, it gets better. Look at somebody and say, it gets better. Like, it's supposed to get better. It's supposed to get better. Now, it might not always look like it's getting better, but it's getting better. Thank God for what Jesus Christ did on the cross because it got better that day. But when you're Jesus going to the cross, you're like, I kind of miss Passover, hanging out with the disciples. I kind of miss just walking around, having fun, multiplying fish and loaves and stuff. I don't, I'm not looking forward to the cat of nine tails. I'm not looking, to that, looking forward to that rugged cross. But the scriptures tell us that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross because it was about to get better. That day it might not have felt better, but it was getting better. It takes a, an eye, a spiritual eye, a prophetic eye to look beyond and say, wow, God, you're doing something even greater even if it doesn't feel like it. Amen? Amen. Amen. It gets better. Now, how we define what's better and how he defines what's better might be two different things. This is why we have to trust him. This is why we walk in a solid relationship with King Jesus because when he tells you it's getting better, you can rest in that assurance that even if it doesn't feel better or even if it doesn't look better, you know, God, you're doing something better. Now, I wanna bring you into some declarations. Today's gonna be a little bit interactive, so I'm hoping that we'll get to three main things I wanna talk about and then we're gonna bring it into a declarative statement because I believe there's power in your words, right? There's power in what we say. I don't know, Jesus said it, so maybe it's just important, so let's just believe that. There's power in what we say, both to curse and to destroy, but also to build up and to bless, amen? So we're gonna say a few things today, and I don't wanna just put words in your mouth, but maybe if you wanna take these ideas, these declarative statements in a few minutes and you know, take a picture of the screen or something or write it down and you can take it home with you and maybe make it your own, but uh, maybe it'll help kickstart some stuff that I believe will really help us in 2019. Now, as I thought about this, I said, Lord, you know, what exactly do you want me to teach on, you know, an opportunity to share with the church and what's on your heart? And I could think of a multiplicity of things that we could do that would help us in 2019. But I tried to narrow it down to three things that I felt was heavy on his heart for us today. So let's pick it up with the first one. Here's number one. I will renew my faith in his goodness. I will renew my faith in his goodness. Now, is he good? Yes, we get that all the time, all the time. This guy's good all the time. Okay, so he's, he's good. Everybody unanimously agrees with the fact that he is good. We have to be completely convinced that he is 100% good all the time so that even when we hear something not good, we know that he's still good. 
When we get a phone call that's not good, he's still good. When that unexpected bill shows up and it's not good, you know it's still good. When you take an hour and a half detour going through the mountains long while the whole deal and we get all messed up and we're like, we're frustrated and we're tired and we're cold and we're cranky and we packed a whole cooler full of sandwiches and snacks and all this stuff and we left it. So we're starving, and now it's like 4 o'clock, and we're like, yeah, that sandwich is sounding real nice right about now. We, where'd we leave it? We left it in the cooler. The bears got it. Great. Thank you for the cooler of food, right? And so we're all at that point, but, then, but God was still good, and he met us there and provided a blessing for us and took care of us. When the doctor report comes, that's not good. When the obstacle shows up, that's not good. We can rest in his goodness, it's just how he rolls. While we were on the trip, uh, I had an opportunity to just pray with someone on the trip, and we were praying, holding hands, and just praying for a while. And I remember this, this phrase just kind of came out of my spirit. Does this ever happen to you where you're praying, and you're coming up with all your good stuff in your own head, and it's pretty good, but then all of a sudden you say something that just was inspired by something else, and you're like, I'm not that smart or intellectual or well-versed. That had to have been the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and you get excited. And this phrase just kind of came out of me, and it just stuck in my heart enough so much to the fact that I wanted to share it with you. And I literally just said, God, I rest in the truth of your goodness. I rest in the truth of your goodness. It's true that you are good, no matter what circumstances may say, the truth says otherwise. So our circumstances sometimes paint a picture of our reality, but when the truth says something different than what our present circumstances might say, I'm not saying come in with deniability and just deny things. I'm saying sometimes that's foolish. You know, if a doctor says something, something, then you don't, there's a part of us that's like, you know, by faith I'm believing for something else. But at the same time, we don't just deny a fact. Does that make sense? So, there, but there's something about coming into a situation that's difficult and saying, God, I just, I'm gonna trust in the fact that you're good even though everything I see doesn't look that way. I don't have to strive or be anxious or worried about this or that. I find rest in the fact that you are good. Yeah. Let me help you. You might have a difficult moment in 2019. Maybe. You and the missus might get into it. The kids might do something you didn't want them to do in 2019. You might have a difficulty at your job. There might be some transition that comes. There's gonna be some difficult things this upcoming year. But when I know 100% that I abide under the shadow of the Almighty, like Psalm 91 tells me, I can trust that whatever happens, I won't have to go through it alone, abandoned, or powerless, because I can trust in the fact that my God is good, and he works all things together for good to those that are called to according to the purposes of God. Amen? Amen. His goodness covers me. It's who he is. Do you guys remember, uh, there's one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 33. We'll throw it on the screen here. Let's read it real quick. Exodus 33 verse 18, Moses is on the mountain of God and he's up there and he's having a conversation with God and he tells the Lord, God, please show me your glory. And then the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. He asked to see the glory, but God shows him the, his goodness. Moses is crying out for the glory, but it's the goodness. It's impossible to disconnect the glory of God from the goodness of God. Impossible to disconnect the glory of God from the goodness of God. If we're going from glory to glory, like we talked about earlier, remember we said it gets better. 
We go from glory to glory. It gets better and better and better. So if we can't disconnect the glory of God from the goodness of God and we go from glory to glory, it might be safe to say that we're gonna go from goodness to greater measures of goodness as the years go on and, pro and progress. We're gonna experience even greater measures of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God to each and every one of us. He doesn't get worse and worse as the years go by. He gets better and better. And you know what's interesting about Almighty God is he's the only one who's able to be at his best at all times. Like I thought about this statement and I was like, his goodness gets better and better. And I was like, well, wait a minute. How can his goodness tomorrow be better than his goodness today? Well, because he's God. And he's the only one who could celebrate his birthday 24-7. And he's the only one that could be 100% good and at his best 24-7. It's just how he is, it's what he's capable of doing that we have a hard time fathoming. But all I wanna tell you is that if you rest in God's goodness today and you know that he's constantly better and better and better and you trust in the fact that he's good no matter what our present circumstances say, we come into a whole new year knowing, God, I am renewing my faithfulness in your goodness. I'm gonna trust in your goodness because I believe that the goodness of tomorrow will even overshadow the goodness of today because that's how you are, amen? We're not just holding on until Jesus comes back to take us home, church. This isn't just like, oh, let, let's just cling to the pulpit until Jesus comes back and takes us home because it's getting dark out there. It gets better. I choose to believe it. Things are going to get better and better. Salvation is coming to those that we are believing for. Heaven is gonna show up on the earth like Jesus told us to pray for. Healing is coming for the hurting. We have to place high value in his goodness and choose not to be deceived. We're not putting hope in something worthless. We're activating faith in the goodness of God. I told you it was gonna warm up a little bit. I had a dream recently. Dreams are probably the number one way that the Lord speaks to me. Please don't get, discount your dreams. If you're a person in here uh, that discounts your dreams, like, you know, it's no big deal, you know, maybe about a third of your life you're discounting that God could speak to you for about a third of your life. God speaks to us in our dreams, trust me. It's all throughout scripture, and I, I can attest to it in my personal life. In fact, hold on a second, let me just, I don't know why I feel led to do this. Um, if you don't dream anymore, raise your hand. You don't dream anymore. Keep your hand up real quick. I wanna pray for you real fast. Keep your hands up. If you see a hand up, put a hand, on your, a, a hand on their shoulder real quick. God, we just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would release dreams to people that don't dream anymore. We ask in Jesus' name that you would awaken them in the night season to begin to experience you speaking to them through dreams. That God, you would awaken their mind and their spirit and their heart, Lord, that even while they're sleeping, their subconscious, they would begin to hear from you and they would get direction from you. Touch them, Lord God, awaken dreams in their life in Jesus' name, amen? Amen. I had a dream recently, and here's the dream. It's a little strange, but it had some strong significance to me. I dreamt of a girl that was in a village. All of a sudden, she flopped over dead on the ground. I ran over to her, calling for others to help me, saying, come help us uh, do CPR and pray for her. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to me in a moment, telling me that there's something lodged in her throat. I'm finally able to retrieve what was inside of her throat and pull it out, and out falls a gold rock from her throat. Then another one fell out of her throat. Another one came out of her mouth. She was swallowing these gold rocks in hope to escape her way of life in the village that she was at. Somehow I just knew this in the dream. She was swallowing these gold rocks that she had access to in hopes to escape her village, her life, and get into something fresh for, and start a future, have money for a future. 
It was then that all of a sudden we realized that these gold rocks were actually fake gold. They weren't real. She died swallowing these things that she thought was valuable, but in the end it took her life. And I woke up out of the dream. So I started thinking about it and praying about it, and the Lord started giving me some revelation on it. Spiritually speaking, this is what we do when we place high value, swallowing false understanding of God's goodness. It's like we're we're absorbing something that we think is going to help us and is going to bless us, and it's actually killing us, spiritually speaking, and the reality of what we're swallowing is it ain't worth nothing. You can go to the store and buy a whole bunch of fake gold for just a couple bucks, it ain't worth very much at all. We put hopes and expectations and false things opposing God's goodness because we lack the ability to really trust him and it paralyzes our fruitfulness and ultimately it kills us. We can't afford a bad habit of thinking that his goodness towards us is somehow stained or comes with stipulations because you and I are imperfect. Here's what some of us believe, and I hope that the Holy Spirit could help correct this today. Sometimes we think we don't really deserve God's goodness to us because of our past. And we don't deserve God's goodness to us because we still haven't got it all together. Friend, we're never gonna have it all together. We're never gonna be perfectly ready. We're never gonna be standing here totally perfect. No, I believe that when we, but when we uh, disbelieve God's goodness is available to you and I, when we make those mistakes, it's like swallowing that false gold. It's like swallowing something that's ultimately killing you because we believe God's good to everybody but me. That's why we need a renewed trust in his goodness, that he's just as good to everybody else on the planet as he is to you. It's who he is. And it's not a matter of you deserving it, it's a matter of the fact that you're a son and his grace is that beautiful, amen? He's just that good. He's good all the time. Even when we're not, he's still good. Even when we don't deserve his goodness, he's still good. Even when you made a mistake last night and you dragged yourself to church this morning feeling shameful and convicted, you come in here and you represent the fact that God's goodness is still available to you. You're one prayer away from receiving repentance and and his faithfulness washing out all over you. That's how he rolls, man. That's how he is. When you're completely convinced that he's good and will be good to you regardless of what your yesterdays are, it'll change you. And it'll change the way you see him and it'll influence the way that you believe and the way that you live your life. Do you guys remember the story of the redeemed heir? You're like, what? Maybe you know him as the prodigal son. Oh yeah, the redeemed heir. Remember, he was messing it up, squandered the inheritance, went to Vegas and blew it all, right? Messed it all up, finds himself with the pigs and has an epiphany moment and is like, oh man, like it was better being a servant in my father's house than out here doing what I'm doing. And so he crawls his way back, hoping just to be a servant in his papa bear's house. And guess what? Daddy's right there looking for him from the porch and sees his son coming. And he runs to him, throws a robe on his back, throws sandals on his feet and a family signet ring upon his finger and is like, let's celebrate. My son has come home. Did he deserve that goodness? No. How he was living and what he was doing, did that change that his father was still good? No. God was good regardless. And it's a perfect picture of our Father who is so good to us even when we feel we don't deserve it. Friend, I promise you, I don't deserve to stand up here and talk in this to any of you. I don't deserve it. But his goodness opens the door for that because he's faithful. 
And I recognize that, and I don't take it without a moment of humility coming before God saying, God, thank you so much for your ridiculous goodness because I sure don't deserve it. Awaiting the repentant heart in order to put a robe of righteousness back on your shoulders. Sandals on your feet, a ring on your finger. That's just what he does. Don't just believe that he's good. Know that he's good 100% of the time, even to you in all things. So here's the first declarative statement. I'm gonna put it on the screen, and I'll tell you, well, let's just read it together, if you could read that. It says this, let's read it together. I declare the goodness of God embedded within his perfect glory over my life and the lives of my family and friends. I will find rest in the truth of his goodness. I refuse to worry. He's got this. He knows what he's doing, and I choose to trust in the God who is always good. Amen. Amen. I hope that's something you could adopt into this upcoming year. Let me tell you, if things are good now in your life, it's easy to believe this. Oh, yeah, Pastor Sai, good word, brother. I like it. Christmas time and New Year's coming and all this stuff and everything's good. I got what I wanted for Christmas. Santa has been good to me. Oh, it's been good. Maybe you got it all and you're in a really good moment. That's fantastic. I'm talking about the moment when you're driving and you're late and the tire pops and you have to pull over and you just emptied the bank account to pay for the unexpected bill and now you're like, and you're about to freak out. That's when you need to pull up that picture you took of that, what was that sermon talking about there, about the goodness of God? And you understand that God's gonna take care of you and it's all good. It's all good. And don't let it crawl under your skin and eat you up from the inside out, amen? Here's the second one, number two. I will pursue him as he pursues me. This is gonna help you in 2019. I'm trying to live my life this way. I will pursue him as he pursues me. He's already made his move. Over 2,000 years ago, he made his move when the Father chose to send the Son to the cross. He made his move. He chose you and I. He laid it all down for a way for you and I to forever have access to heaven. There was a veil that separated man from God, and that, bit, that thing was torn from top to bottom so that you and I could have access to him so that there could be a forgiveness, so that the sin that separates us from him could be forever eradicated from us and we could walk in freedom. That happened 2,000 years ago. That was his move, right? Now it's up to us. Our drawing near to him is actually in response to his drawing near to us, initiated all those years ago. But now the ball's in our court, which is why James, the brother of Jesus, tells us this. In James chapter four, verse eight, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He already made it possible. Look, you couldn't even draw near to God if Jesus didn't first did what he did all those years ago. But he did do it. So now the ball's in our court. So that's why James comes in and says, now draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You need to initiate it now. When we do, he draws even closer. His pursuit of me activates my pursuit of him, which launches his pursuit of me, which births my pursuit of him and his pursuit of me and my pursuit of him. And it's this ongoing thing. Christianity is the only religion on the face of the planet. It's the only relationship with God where God seeks man. In every other spot, it's man seeking God. We do seek God, but only because he first sought after us. Me? What am I, why am I so special? Because he's so crazy in love with you. It's almost backwards, isn't it? God's so after you. 
I'll tell you a story. We had a, maybe some of you guys might know this, we have this, this college group that comes, where do they come from? They come from all over the country, Wyoming. They come from Wyoming, and there's this Christian club, and they come all the way out here, and they actually stay here at Pay Chapel for about a week. And they, you, some of you guys know this. We, we house them in here. They're called the Navigators. They're cool. They're like an evangelistic group. They like to go out and you know, share the gospel with people, but also have a little vacation out here in San Diego. So we house them here at Pay Chapel for about a week so they can be here. And so we just get to talk with them, and uh, we like to take them out to go do some evangelism. So I like this certain style of evangelism that's called treasure hunting. Some of you maybe been on treasure hunts before, maybe many of you haven't. Treasure hunting is kind of like hearing from God about the people you're going to go find before you go find them. So it's like a two sides of a coin. One, it's going and actually spreading the gospel with people. And it's two, very exciting to actually hear about the people that you're going to go meet before you even get out on the streets. So we spend some time praying. We have treasure maps. We distribute them to everybody. We write out things that we feel we're hearing from the Holy Spirit about what the person might be wearing or what their name might be or what, whatever God wants to tell us. Right? And, and so we write it all down on our little treasure maps, and we went out to Balboa Park, and there's like 40 of us when we go out there. So we're going out there, and we're looking for stuff, and there's all kinds of great stories that are coming from people that are finding stuff on their treasure maps, and they're running into people, and I'm looking for a girl with black and white stripes on her shirt, and she's got jeans on, her name's Cindy, whatever, and they, sure enough, they find Cindy out there walking around and wearing the same thing, and they're like, oh my gosh, like you're real, and they're, yes, and they pray, and it's just amazing, cool stories like that. So anyways, me, and I believe Jacob was with me, we're walking, and this girl comes up to us and says, hey, do you guys want to be in a quick video? I have a question for you. I have a YouTube channel, and I need to ask you a quick question. And we're like, sure, as long as we get to pray for you. And so she's like, okay. So she asked us this random question, and it was something silly, like, what was the biggest mistake you made recently? And I said something really dumb, like, I shopped at Walmart instead of Target, or something like that. I can't remember. It was bad. It was just really pointless. So anyways, we do this whole thing, and then we pray with her. And after we pray with her, uh, you know, no sparks flew. There was nothing amazing. It wasn't like I said amen and like a cascade of doves just like flew out from behind the building and in, in sequential fashion. Like it wasn't like that. There was no magical moment. And we kind of just said, cool, God bless you. Have a good one. Nine months later, this, this December, my wife gets a text message from a phone number that she doesn't recognize. And this person says, is this your hubby? And with a YouTube link. And my wife's like, who is this? Whatever. So she kind of finds out who it is, and after she finds out who it is, it's this girl that God had really been placing on her heart for the last week or week and a half, right? Two weeks. And she had been like checking her social media. Ashley had been checking her social media because she was just, God had placed her on her heart and she was concerned with her, concerned for her marriage and just her family and stuff. And so she had been like praying for her and kind of looking into this. And then all of a sudden she finds out this girl texts her out of nowhere because she saw this YouTube video and shared the link, and sure enough, it's me on the YouTube video there at Balboa Park and Jacob, and she, she sends this to Ashley, and Ashley goes, hey, by the way, since we're talking, how are you doing in A, B, and C? And she kind of opens up and says, well, not super good, and she starts talking a little bit about it, and all of a sudden, they kind of re get reconnected after being disconnected for a long period of time, and now Ashley's reaching out to her. They're gonna spend some time together. They might go to a concert this upcoming year, and Ashley's gonna pour into this girl and disciple her through a wildly difficult time. And it all came because we went on a treasure hunt in Balboa Park, got put on a video, which she didn't even see until nine months later. She sees the video and gets connected at the appropriate time to Ashley. Now there's an open door for God to put the gospel into her life. God is incredibly detailed about how he goes after your heart. And just because no sparks flew nine months ago, sparks are flying now. And it's beautiful. 
That's the God that we serve. He's detailed about going after you. We have to determine within ourselves to be detailed about how we go after him, to seek him in every season of life, in good and bad seasons, to pursue him relentlessly because he's so jealous for us. You know what some of us do? If we only seek God in stormy seasons, then he'll always make sure we're in stormy seasons because it's only then that we seek him. Oh, shoot. God bless you guys. Have a good day. Thank you so much for being here. It's true. He's jealous for you. He wants you, your attention, your heart, your devotion, your everything. He's so hungry for you. He wants you. And sometimes the only time we seek him is in our difficult circumstances. And we wonder why we're always in difficult circumstances because he's up there saying, this is the only time you seek me. I wish you would seek me when things are good. I wish you would go after me just as hard when things are amazing as they are when things are difficult. Stormy situations or stormy people are often the greatest motivators in our life to seek the Lord. So it's good to seek him when storms arise, but it's even better to seek him when things are amazing. Mm. Otherwise, the best thing that can happen to you is to go through another difficult situation. Because it's then that it draws us back to our knees. It's then that it draws us back into his presence. It's then that we start taking him seriously. It's like we ask him to constantly pull us out of quicksand, and once we get our feet back on solid ground, we're like, all right, God, I'm cool, I got it from here. And he's like, the whole point of me getting you out of there was so that I could walk with you. That was the whole point. So God goes, fine, another quicksand. <laughs> and sometimes God puts it there to get your attention, and sometimes God just removes the hand of blessing, and sometimes it's the enemy, and sometimes stuff just happens because it's life. So I'm not saying every time a bad thing comes, it's the devil, and I'm not saying every time a bad thing comes, it's God, and I'm not saying every time a bad thing comes, it's just because there was a, a nail in the road and it got in your tire, you know? Sometimes it just happens. But at the end of the day, that shouldn't be the thing that is the swaying or the, 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 the what's the word I'm looking for? Like the, the grace or the ability or whatever it is that, out, that puts us into a moment of seeking God. That should be constant no matter what the situation is. No matter what. It's backwards if we only seek him when things are bad. I can recall seasons of my life when it felt like one storm hit after the next and after the next and after the next. I thought that it was all the attacks of the devil and I'm, I remember this comic strip or story someone told me that this person walks by and sees the devil sitting on a curb crying, and they're like, hey, what's up, Satan? What's going on? Why are you crying? <laughs> and the devil's like, I keep getting blamed for everything. I'm not even doing half the stuff that people are blaming me for. He's like, yeah, it's okay, Lucifer. It'll be all right. Okay, moves on. I'm just kidding. I don't know how the story goes. But that's what happens. We blame everything on the devil. It's the devil. Not necessarily. Perhaps it was. But the source of the attacks doesn't really matter so much when we've already set our, our scopes on saying, God, I'm gonna seek you regardless. I don't need these difficult moments for you to grasp my attention. You have my attention, regardless if things are negative or positive. The storms in that season were the only things drawing me to the Lord until I learned this lesson. And it changed me. It's like having a friend who's always in trouble. You guys have any friends like that? When their phone rings, you're like, oh gosh, call. How much do you need? Where do you need a ride to? Lord, help me. 
and you love them, and you want to just see if it, like, you know, it, it goes to voicemail, and you're like, okay, we're good. And then all of a sudden, like, you get the text message, and you're like, oh. It's like the friend who's always in trouble. Seeking the Lord when we're only in trouble is much the same. It's not the best case scenario. It's like only us going to God when we need something. Only going to God when we're in a difficult circumstance. It's like you become that annoying friend. He's after us, but we have to get after him. Amen, church? Here's a fill-in for you. It, or if, if we'll seek him absent of trial, perhaps we'll recognize his grace of protection, removing trials before they even appear. If we'll seek him absent of trial, so when the trial's not even there and you seek him anyways, then all of a sudden we discover, hey, I have far less trials in my life than I used to. Why is 2019 so great when 2018 was so rough? Maybe it's because we learned this. And we start seeking the God who can protect, the God who can provide, the God who can open doors and shut doors and provide people and connect us to the right person. And all of a sudden, there's all the difficulty has been removed out of the equation. And we stand here with a confidence going, this year was amazing. Why? Because we sought God before the trial even showed up and God disarmed the bomb before it could blow up in our face. There's a little nugget in Amos 5.4. You can memorize this one, Amos 5.4. It says, seek me and live. <laughs> if you memorize no other scripture, <laughs> that's a little doozy for you. Just seek me and live. You wanna live? You wanna, you wanna thrive? You wanna, you wanna do well? Cool, seek me. Go after me. Develop an insatiable desire to chase after him. It's the safest place to be, running toward him, no matter what it looks like or feels like, as long as we get him. Get him. Let me throw you one more little doozy on this one, and we'll kind of get close to ending this. The prophet Elijah finds himself on the mountain of God, and the Lord says to him, this is in 1 Kings 19, 11, the Lord says, go out and stand before me on the mountain, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, um, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. We think God's gonna show up one way, but God always intends to show up in a way that we least expect him. Like we always think God's gonna do this. It's right when the, the last song hits and the band's about to crescendo and the, and the music leader's about to hit that note and the, and the cymbals are gonna crash and it's that moment and we're like, ah, and just have that moment. That's when it's gonna happen. When the moment that God might be preparing to bless you greater is the moment you were sitting back and the offering bag came your way. Uh-oh. It might be in the moment that when service ended and you went to the coffee shop and found yourself in conversation where that was your moment God was planning to meet with you. And sometimes it's in an unexpected spot. Elijah was used to God showing up in big, dramatic ways. The still, small voice was kind of foreign to him. He's used to him showing up by fire. 
on Mount Carmel against the prophets of Baal and he's calling down fire from heaven. Like he's used to God showing up like that. Would you rather have your mind blown by the windstorm, the quaking, and the fire that the Lord is not in or the stillness that he is in? I don't know about you, but I want him. I want him regardless. It's easy and dangerously common to get mesmerized by all the exciting accoutrements surrounding him, but miss him entirely. This is the still trap of the American church. This is one of the traps of the American church. There's a whole lot of things all around here that are related to God, and they're, they're kind of like they're, they're, they're the, the worship and the lights and the smoke and the coffee and the donut and the, all the stuff that's going on, and it's all good. And trust me, I've had my fair share of coffee and donuts, okay? So I love it all, but if we get caught up in celebrating all of the accoutrements of it and we miss him in the process, the devil would be so happy to just sit back and let us enjoy our coffee and donuts, We'll just sit back and happily sing another song, but there will be, it'll be void of any actual presence of the Lord, and the enemy will be totally cool with that. Because we're, we kind of miss it. I, I want the stillness that he is in, not all the things surrounding him. Let's determine to seek him for him, not for all the fluff that surrounds it, amen? I have a, I have a dog named Sonny. I'll let you get it. Uh, Familiar with him on the screen right here. You can, this is Sonny. You can kind of get an idea of him. That pretty much sums up Sonny right there. Maybe we should buy him a bone for Christmas. Maybe, I mean, so into Sonny, he's just chewing on his leg. Why not? <laughs> Sonny's amazing. I know that doesn't show him amazing, but he's amazing. So Sonny's a Jacoby, he's a Jack Russell Terrier Beagle, little rescue dog that we got from the shelter, super cool dog. But here's what Sonny does. Every now and then, Sonny gets out of our yard. Like if the door's cracked just slightly, and he has a moment, and I know what's going on in his little dog brain. In his little dog brain, he's thinking, I could slip by, I know I'm gonna be in massive trouble, but it's worth it. And so he slips by, and runs right out into the street, and there's cars, and it's dangerous, and I don't want my dog to die, and whatever, but here's what happens. I go chasing after him, and I'm not very fast, but I go running after him, and I finally get towards Sonny, but here's what happens. When I'm running towards Sonny, Sonny is running away from me. So what I have to do is get far enough away from the house, and then go, okay, Sonny, come here, and I have to run back towards the house, and then Sonny thinks we're playing, and he follows me. I run inside the gate, slam the gate behind him, and make him go back in and chew on his leg for a while. <laughs> I gotta trick him. Flip the script, don't chase him, he chases me. Here's what we do. <laughs> We're running a million different directions, chasing Everything, the same way a dumb dog would chase a little bit of everything. And we're gonna remain in danger if we don't chase after our master who is leading us back to safety. We have to develop an insatiable desire to pursue him above every other desire, no matter how foolish we've been. When we lock eyes with him during a Sunday morning service, a midweek service on our drive home from work while we're washing dishes, we are chasing after him back to safety. Don't run from him as he chases after you. You're only gonna find yourself in a more dangerous situation just like the dog. You have to recognize your master is chasing you and follow after him no matter which direction he's running. This is the heart of repentance. 
I have one more, another declarative statement. Let's put it up real quick and then we'll land this plane. Let's read this together. I declare over myself that I will pursue the God who is passionately pursuing me. I'll chase him even when I'm tired. I'll seek him even when I don't feel like it. This upcoming year will be a year of safety and restoration as I run into the arms of my loving father. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you. We hope it inspired you. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any of our new messages. If you would further like to connect with us, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or on any of our social media pages at faithchapelsd. We hope you have a terrific Christmas season and that we'll see you really soon.